Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchdogs. Hello and welcome to episode number 25 of the North American Waterfowler podcast. Today is part three of the Joel Strickland series. Man, I am loving these episodes and these are three of my favorite that I have done. I just feel like the content is so interesting. Joel is such an interesting individual and I hope that you are enjoying these episodes as much as I am. Episode one. Joel just talked about his background, everything from the time he started duck hunting up through creating his surviving duck season YouTube channel. And episode two, we focused on Joel's gunning series, which I believe is the most comprehensive gunning series ever put together. He talks about shotguns, ammo, chokes, shot string. I mean, this nine part series, if you haven't seen, it's unbelievable. Today, we're going to do a little bit of wrap up. We're going to talk a little bit about his gunning series, but then we're going to go into what Joel has been doing in his life. He's got major changes taking place, and he is living the waterfowler's dream, basically. He's got a piece of property right off the White River that is all his, and he is creating it into his own waterfowl heaven he's thinking about either doing part duck club part guide service but he's in the process of building a lodge and i mean wait to hear him talk about it it's just every waterfowler's dream what he's doing so this is the last episode in the joel strickland series uh the next episode is actually going to release on thursday where i interview titus from mid valley mercenaries that's another good one so make sure and check that out if you are loving the content 
come on over to Facebook and join up the North American Waterfowler Facebook group. And also you can get more content on patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting where you can have the opportunity to come and be a guest here on the podcast with me. Also, you can enter to win a hunt for this coming year and all sorts of other good things over there on patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Well, we are going to jump right into this episode right now. Part three with Joel Strickland. All right. So to finish off our conversation about steel versus bismuth and shot. So a guy like me who right now, just for my budget, I would love to shoot bismuth, but for my budget, I really need to be sticking. I just hate to spend that much money on a shell. Um, especially when I know my style, I can kind of get away with be- being a steel guy. Uh, what, from all your research, and I know it has to, I need to pattern it with my gun and all of that. I'm looking for a speed of between 1350 to 14, 1450, and length. Don't worry about the length. What about one and one eighth versus one and three eighth? Just advise me on what shell I should be looking for. Well, again, it, it for 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 me, I also factor in is what is the recoil like if recoil is not a factor for people then that changes a lot mm-hmm. of what happens i mean when i'm choosing a shell recoil is important i'm not i don't want to shoot three inch because i know what three inch does to me and i don't like it it's not fun but so so if recoil does not matter to you then i say you know on a three inch shell you know shoot um, for steel shot, you know, we're talking about steel shot here, you know, is I'd shoot the largest load that you can get, which would probably be like a one and three eighths ounce load in a, whatever your choice of size, you know, threes or whatever. And, and so that, you know, so w- was your question, which one, which one specifically, is that what you were if asking you, me? If you think there's a difference, if you think that, is it just, for me, I need looking for about 1350, one and three eighth inch payload or ounce payload. And does the brand matter? Do you have a, a specific brand that you think performed better in your tests? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I am going to, I'm going to say that I'm, I'm going to want to definitely shoot a 1350 and, uh, that there, there is enough difference in my opinion uh between a higher quality premium steel what we call premium steel um that it's worth a few extra pennies to buy the premium steel uh, because it is more round and the more round it is Mm -hmm. the better it's going to pattern okay and so you know we're talking about uh again like a, a winchester dry lock is a good round pellet and it is uh you know it, the ones the ones that i you know shot were were i think they were one and three eighths and they shot 1350 feet a second i believe is what it was and and so that's definitely a good one uh the fiocchi uh golden waterfowl is a is another one that's basically the same thing. I I had I used I used to shoot some Fiocchi a long time ago, and and it was usually 
what my opinion was, well, that's the cheap shells and I'm buying the cheap shells and it's okay. But for steel shot, it's, you know, it's fine. And that's been years ago. But when I started, you know, shooting them in my testing, I was, I was fairly impressed with it. I mean, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to go out there and, and say, I think it's the best. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily have a favorite in steel. I did like, like I said, I did like the dry lock. It looked pretty good. And I did like the golden waterfowl from the Fiocchi. Um, and those were two good ones that were in that, you know, 1350 and they were one and three eighths ounce mm-hmm. loads. Uh, you know, so because, because there's more pellets and more weight in them, I, I'm a, I don't know if, if that's the reason why it shoots a little bit slower muzzle velocity. I assume that that's what it is, but, uh, but that's what it winds up being. And so those would be two, and they are very round. They're, the pellets look pretty. They're polished. Um, you know, the the zinc-coated, um, you know, plated, zinc-plated steel shot um, is, is that's done by a number of different companies uh, that, you know, makes them shiny and pretty. And I think it's worth it to get, you know, to go that route. And so... If I was going to pick one of those, I mean, if I was going to pick a steel load, I probably would pick one of those two. Um, currently, I, I did one 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 steel load that I did not shoot that I wanted to, but I just couldn't get my hands on it. I didn't shoot any of the Apex steel shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've heard some decent things about the Apex steel, but I don't. I've never shot any, so I don't know if it's if it's good or not but um it's they definitely make a premium on the tss and and so you know i I didn't personally i I did i didn't like any of the blended tss and steel shot any of the ones that i tried i didn't like any of that from any of the any of the companies but i did like um you know but i said i didn't Oh, well, that's all I know about that. As you go from a 1550 feet per second to a 1350, is that enough speed difference that you actually need to go and shoot a bunch of clay pigeons because your lead's going to have to be different, or is that negligible? Negligible. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's the the. It's just it depends on what distance you're hunting at. I guess maybe that should be, would be more of a. A better way to answer that it depends because i mean if you're if you're if you're i want to say if you want to be responsible i don't want to necessarily pigeonhole the thing and say responsible because it depends i I mean all of it is subjective because if you i mean uh, let me let me let me pick a guy out okay jimmy muller okay he's a choke tube guy he's an unbelievably great marksman with a shotgun if you if you can call it a marksman, you know he's really really good. If you ever see any of his stuff on social media, he's always posting these videos of him shooting at these crazy distances. A lot of times it's with TSS, but a lot of times it's with steel shot. And he he can shoot a long way a long way. And you know you, you hear people talking about him or even other people that have the ability to shoot a long way away and. And ethics, I think, is is somewhat subjective, okay? Because you know, I also like to big game hunt, okay? I love to to deer hunt. I'm a bow hunter. I love to shoot a deer with with my bow and arrow, and I don't care about shooting a, a deer at forty yards. I want to shoot them at 
15, you know, that's, that's a cool thing to me. And so, but, but if, if I start looking at the way I hunt and the way and my proficiency as a, whatever kind of shooter I am, whether it's archery or rifle or shotgun or whatever, and I look at it like that, and then I transfer that over to somebody else. And I look at a guy that shoots a deer at 800 yards with a high powered rifle and I say that's unethical because he's shooting too far. Well, that's ridiculous. Not it's not for him. It would be for me, mm-hmm. but that's not for him. And so that's I feel it's the same way. That you know, you you need to consider that is the ammunition capable of killing what we're shooting at at whatever distance. That's number one. Right. Number two is the guy that's pulling the trigger capable of you know, regularly doing that at that distance. It's Mm -hmm. if, if I can shoot 60 yards, you know, regularly, well, I mean, I, I have shot, I've shot, I've shot TSS at ducks like crazy distances and I can't believe I can kill them that far and it works. But, you know, that's not something that I regularly want to do and I'm going to do. And it's not part of my practice in hunting because I'd rather get them closer but long distance shooting. And so again, I think a lot of that is all subjective and in the distance that you can shoot and the distance that the ammunition is capable of shooting and how we can, can change the, the, the pattern so that it can be effective at a longer distance. Did I even answer your question? (laughs) No. Yeah, I I think you did. I I think that the ultimate answer is, is if I'm going to continue to shoot my style of shots, which is really close, then it's probably not going to be much of a lead difference for me as far as far as the lead goes, but it it never hurts to go out and practice it on, on clays regardless. Yeah. I mean, the the longer you shoot, the, 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 the more of a distance you're going to see, you know, but I, I, I think that, and, this may be a video that I need to do because I, I, I remember doing some some statistics on like if I was shooting whatever bismuth or whatever at a certain distance and then I was going to change to steel shot or vice versa, would it would it mean that I needed to change the way I shoot? Mm-hmm. And I determined that no, not really, unless I was shooting in an extreme range. I think that's a that's a good question. That's basically kind of what you're saying. Right. Um, I think that that I ought to, I ought to do a video on that. Yeah. Thanks, there, was, there was an old video done. It might even have been one that Tom Roster did where it showed a mm-hmm. um, lead shooting clay, uh, like a skeet shooter who was really good out duck hunting. And it was making the claim that it was showing him miss a bunch. And the claim was, it was all because of speed and lead. And I don't know. That's all I remember about it. But that was the first time that I remember thinking, wow, this, I'm surprised. I didn't realize that this made much difference. And their contention was that it absolutely makes a difference. And, and if you're going to be um, shooting steel, then you need to be shooting it all the time with clays and everything. Cause it's a big difference between like lead and steel. Well, yeah. And, and so like, for example, um, this the steel shot a lot i guess and it i can i think it's it really depends too i mean the faster that you that are you're started off the faster it's going to slow down that's just a physics principle that's and so if you start shooting steel shot 
at 1500 feet a second or 16 or 1700 feet a second at some point and it's the the point is somewhere out there around 40 yards everything kind of comes to about the same when you look if you look at it on a graph mm-hmm. you know the different speeds they all kind of collide at the same point and so 1350 steel shot or let's let's say the average is 1500 so 1500 steel shot and then bismuth 1350 if you look at a 40 yard shot they they wind up being about the same right because so if they're at the same speed the dis- 40 the yards, density or does that mean that they're hitting 40 yards at the same time or because yeah. if, if steel is faster initially but then at 40 yards they're traveling the same speed wouldn't steel steep speed still be ahead in the race since they were started off quicker does that make sense yeah man i'd have to look at i'd have to we'd have to I'd, we'd have to figure that up i don't i i'll tell you this one of my videos and, and we when we did this a few times so that may, maybe this kind of goes with what you're asking and it it it's only going to be in the first five or six feet, but we put several different speeds of and stack them on the screen where you mm-hmm. see a 1700 foot a second, a 1500 foot a second, blah, blah, blah. And different, you know, like there's two steel shots. There was like a heavy shot, which is the, the, old, the new heavy shot is not near as dense as the old heavy shot was, mm-hmm. you know, but it was like, I think it's like a density of 10. So, you know, and then, and then you had the, the tungsten, uh, or the, that was tungsten. And then you had the TSS and that was the, I think we were using the apex and the apex actually is 1500 feet a second. So that's super fast considering that it's a, also a very dense metal. So then you had that and then you had, uh, and we had bismuth in there as well. That was like 1350. And you look at how fast the steel shot comes out the gate, especially the 1750. But by the time you get to the edge of the screen and it's only like five feet, Okay, you could see that all of them were catching up already. Right. Even though the steel shot was leaving the the muzzle faster, it was almost catching up to the bismuth, and that was only in the first five feet. So, if you if you look at that downrange, you know, right, it's it just loses so much energy, the, especially the seventeen hundred stuff. Seventeen hundred feet a second, it really loses its energy super duper fast. Well, it's all such all such fascinating stuff. Uh, and, and again, everyone, this is Joel Strickland from Surviving Duck Season. If you want to see all of these videos, you can go straight to his YouTube channel. And it's all in a playlist there. I will also put the playlist on the Facebook group, North American Waterfowler um, podcast group. You can, you can see it there. But if you have not seen it, I cannot stress enough. You need to go watch this content because it will it will teach you so much in still an entertaining, entertaining way. So before we jump subjects, Joel, do you have anything else you want to say about this series before we wrap that up? I There's a lot that 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 I learned personally um, that was just I mean, it, 
like I told you earlier, it, it, we we had an idea of what we wanted to do, and then every time we started working on a video, I thought it was going to be a nine minute video, and then it turned into a forty five minute video or an hour <laughs> and a half, and then I had to cut it in half and make two videos out of it, and and now that, that now we're we're going to chase this rabbit, and well, we need to make a video out of that, and and but there there's so much there, and a lot of it is just, I mean. A lot of what I did in the, in the series was trying to I wasn't trying to debunk. I was trying to learn. I was trying to find out is this true? Does this matter? Is this marketing claim accurate? And 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 we wound up debunking a lot. We don't we we debunked a lot more than we we did say, well, yeah, that's what it is. That's what they said it was. And so that's what it is. You know, I right. mean, there was a lot of that that we did. And, and, and so, you know, I didn't, I didn't set out to be that. I set out to, to learn some more things and to kind of hone in what I had already learned so I could help people. And it turned into be a lot, a lot more than that. But it's the bottom line is pattern your shotgun. I mean, I, I asked, I asked every single person that hunted with me the last couple of years, you know, what are you shooting and have you and what you're shooting today, your gun and your choke and your ammo, have you patterned that? And most everybody said no. I mean, very, very, very few people said yes. Some of them said I patterned my gun before, but it wasn't with that. Well, then that doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's so we, we owe it to the game that we hunt. We owe it to the ducks and the geese to know what our shotgun and ammunition is doing so that we can be not only a killer, but a conservationist. Yeah. And it's, it's just important and it saves money. It saves us money to, to be able to be good at it and to know what it's doing. And so take the time to pattern your shotgun and know what it's doing and, and be an educated consumer and buy the stuff that works, you know, don't buy into all the, all the marketing stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Let's let's move into uh, do a little segment called Comment of the Week. It's time for comment of the week. Week and any time that I have someone on the podcast that I've actually hunted with, I go and I look through our hunts together and I try to pull a comment that someone made on a YouTube video or maybe even through Instagram um, that I think would be interesting. So, Joel, this one's for you. This came from um, the second hunt. So you came to Kansas, and we did a little camp out. It's the first time we'd hunted together. This came from comes from the second day. comes from KS Outdoor Sports, and he says, Nice hunt, guys. Them Arkansas guys get a taste of Kansas hunting, and they won't leave. So you get to respond to your thoughts on that comment. <sighs> I, that was my, that was, I think that was my first Kansas hunt for, for ducks. Right. I've never right. duck hunted in Kansas. I've hunted a lot of deer hunting in Kansas before that and turkey hunting. But, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I was, I found it interesting before I came to Kansas that, Almost every YouTuber that does that does duck hunting is from Kansas. Kansas, Isn't that crazy. Kansas and Nebraska. It's just crazy to right. me, you know. Right. And and you know when you look at the at the statistics from 
U.S. Fish and Wildlife and, and the harvest data and the amount of hunters that hunt, those are not two states that are up at the top. I mean, it's a, they're great states to hunt. I've hunted a lot in, in Nebraska, quite a bit. Um, like I said, I've only hunted in Kansas about three or four times now, but for for ducks. But you know, but it's just such an interesting thing to me that that the the YouTubers are just they they're coming out you know coming out of Kansas and right. and uh, and so it it was very unique uh, a very unique experience. It was totally different than than what I'd experienced anywhere else. And and uh, the, the public land thing. Uh, I, I thought it was a, it was a great experience. I enjoyed, I would, if, if I was not in Arkansas duck hunting, uh, every day of duck season and guiding, that would, Kansas would be one place that I would probably spend a lot more time hunting, uh, because it's in, and, you know, not, not that the state needs a lot more out of staters, coming to <laughs> I mean right. you know that that's another debate for every state you know to have yes it is um but yeah I mean you know I think that it was it was a great experience and yeah I think that the uh I'm trying to think of who that guy I think I know that actually know that 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 youtuber I've met him or something because that name the num the name sounds familiar I wish I could think yeah, of who he, that did, was. he does some videos he does some videos um he's done some from that same marsh that we were at yeah and you probably have run into him. Yeah, but but it, it, it I do want to come back. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be nice um, because you've you've had to come to Kansas. It's pretty much been teal season that you've had to come because your schedule doesn't allow it. Which yeah. I love teal hunting. Mm. Both trips, you haven't exactly. They've been kind of off years. Of course, you got into that hunt where you really got into the birds and you and Jake couldn't hit anything, which what a Ooh. fascinating video that was, man. That that's, that's where he, that was a, a prime example of taking, you know, uh, lemons and making lemonade or taking yeah. chicken doo-doo and making chicken salad out of it, you know? Cause I mean, uh, we, we had, we were, we were very uh, frustrated with ourselves and, and Jake was like, I'm not using this video. I ain't using this video. And <laughs> and then we were talking back and forth. And before we even finished hunting that day, he's like, well, you can do whatever you want to. Uh, and I, and he's, and then, and then it was turned into Joel, you really need to do this video. And, and we started kind of talking about how that we can make this a, this is going to be a, like a really positive deal and we can make fun of ourselves mm -hmm. and, and we can yeah. be like everybody, everybody does that. It's not, you know, we don't have to be this like superhero duck stars on video guys that never miss. I mean, let's just be who we are. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I loved that video. And unfortunately the day before that, we were supposed to hunt together and Georgie got into that blue green algae. Right. And I had to ditch that whole thing. Well, that was a, that was well, a real bummer. That yeah. whole thing was a bummer. Yeah. But anyway, it would be nice if you could come back and try to hit some mallards at some point. But this is a good segue because as we chronicle the life of Joel Strickland starting from age 15, you have just released on your YouTube channel massive, massive changes that are going on in your life. So um, why don't you give a little rundown of what has transpired and what you're doing right now? So yeah, a big gigantic change. I like we talked about earlier. I am have been a duck hunting guide full time during duck season for like I don't know whatever twelve or thirteen years or whatever it's been, 
and uh, at, with at a friend of mine's duck lodge near right outside of Stuttgart, and and so you know I, I was very content with you know the whole you know doing that every year we kind of kind of that was a routine every year we'd kind of move to Stuttgart for three months and and do that it was it was fun it was just you know great time and you know good friends of ours and the customers that came hunting with us were became great friends as well um but you know i was was presented with a an offer that i couldn't refuse uh in in, in reality there was quite a few offers that kind of was on the table at the time that i was actually had already started working on something else when um a guy that i had had met um a couple of years before um something came to pass with him right in the middle of duck season uh he asked me to help him find a piece of property to buy and we wound up buying the property and it's uh it's in arkansas on off the, the white river we've got a couple of couple of miles of of white river um frontage and and the property is right just barely under 1700 acres and uh, it's very, very exciting. Uh, it, it's just, I don't know if we call it a dream come true. Um, it, it, I guess it is. It really is. You know, I, I didn't say it like 20 years ago. I didn't say, I want to like run my own duck lodge. I didn't ever have that. Right. But, but you know, we we could talk an, an hour about about how all this came to pass but the the truth is you know um my my daughter you know she's 4 years old now and we my wife and I have been talking for several last last couple of years it's like what are we going to do during duck season when Hadley gets you know old enough to need to be in school we're going to homeschool and then we can just take her wherever we go or are we going to we're going to if we're going to still do duck season in Stuttgart the only way we all stay together is if we move to Stuttgart or do does Joel just come to Stuttgart and everybody, mommy and Hadley stays at home. Is that the way to go? And that's not what I wanted and that's not what she wanted. And, and so we just, we started praying about it and we just, you know, what does God want us to do? We need to be a family together as much as we can. And yes, there are times when, when me or, you know, in other families where dad has to go travel for the job and all that. But, you know, I want to be with my daughter and my wife and see my daughter, you know, experience the the, the life with her, you know, and not be gone three months and, and all that. And so how do I, I've, I've built my life around um, duck hunting, especially in the last five or six years with my YouTube channel being most of what I do in in my production life and then my guiding in the wintertime and it's all about ducks, 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 ducks. And so I don't really want to step away from guiding or, or doing something in, in, you know, the, the wintertime in, in a big way to help my, my YouTube channel and everything else. So I don't, you know, we just prayed what God, what do we do? And then we started praying about it a couple of years ago and, you know, we just didn't know where it was going to take us. And, without going into an hour long story about where, how it happened. Bottom line is this is the, this is the solution. (laughs) And, you know, we, we now can 
can live to you know live as a family together because we're you know going to force us to to move to a place and live there and work together and Hadley can be in school and and we can drive her to school 20 minutes down the road instead of being apart two hours apart and and you know as far as the the big picture of what we do you know it, it's it's an opportunity for for us to go to the next level in what we um you know the experience that we can give to the customers that come hunting with us to um uh you know be able to share you know from our point of view what we want to share you know uh you know working with somebody else and it's their lodge and it's their dream and it's their way and that's the way it's supposed to be and now it can be you know the way that we want to do it and 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 so it's a new new property a new area it's in an area that I grew up hunting in you know the when I talked about you know Mr. Paul Holloway uh giving me some land to hunt that's only about 15 20 miles south of that and I hunted a lot of a lot up on the White River not very far from the property that we bought and so it's mm. it's in the wintering grounds I mean we talk about the wintering grounds and you know you look at the maps and where are the where's the wintering ground and it's just this big giant blob of you know Arkansas and in Mississippi and Louisiana and they say that's the wintering ground the wintering grounds wherever a duck stops you know that can be Illinois and that may be as far as he gets depending on what the weather's doing but historically the the largest concentration of of mallard ducks not every duck but mallard ducks which is the ones that I like the best you know is uh is we're in the epicenter of it it's you know 20 miles north of us to I40 I mean yes Stuttgart has got a gazillion ducks and that's south of I40 but a lot of the 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 area south of I40 and in the Stuttgart area is manufactured duck spots it's places that man levied up and made it's not naturally flooded and so it's easy to flood and it's easy to make it a great duck hole but when the white and the cash river flood out of its banks and all of that farm ground and all those bottomland hardwood areas and all that floods out north of I-40 in particular um, in the eastern half of Arkansas, that's where the majority of the mallards and really lots and lots of other types of ducks and geese come to and stay. They will fly north and east from the east and wherever and come to there because that's just where they want to be. I had Mr. Paul Holloway told me that when I was 19 years old. And he says, this is where it is. It is the epicenter right here. And, and it's, and I've seen it with my own eyes over many, many years. And so to be able to, to be a part of this project and be able to, you know, experience that and, and help work in, in managing the property and enhancing that property to do what it is, and then be able to share that with the people that are, will be hunting with over the, the next many years is, is very, very exciting to me. And I feel very blessed uh, by the Lord to give us the, the, uh, the gift of being able to do that. And I cannot wait to see the videos that you put out about this whole thing. It's just, man, I, I it's going to be so exciting to watch the, the videos and the progress as you go through it. I know the verse video you put out, my favorite part was, I loved when you're talking about the old bridge, but the, the part that I, that was just so wonderful is that when la this last 
winter, you're kind of testing it out and it's in January and you guys flood this one section. You're like, let's see if the ducks show up. And the next clip is just like thousands of ducks on your property in January. If that didn't get you going watching that video, you're, you don't like duck hunting. <laughs> it, it, it was so cool. I mean, listen, you don't spend a gazillion dollars on a piece of property and not on a whim. And I hope this is going to work, you know, but when you have not seen it in prime duck hunting time, you haven't seen the ducks on it. You have to take an educated guess and you have to talk with people and get references and all the due diligence, which is what I did to, to feel confident enough to, to write the check. So, but as you know, whether whatever you do, whether you, you start a business of any kind or you try something new or, you know, the YouTube channel, whatever, it's a point that you need to have confirmation or it needs to work. Yeah. And yeah. that was the that was it. I mean, it's like I had I had a tremendous amount of belief because I I, mean, I just knew what I knew about the area and 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 mm-hmm. the property and all that but the the day that we went out there after we had turned the water on and about four or five days later you know we went out there to scout and there were right. just ducks all over the place i mean it you know the the confirmation that it's like okay this is going to work i mean what what we're doing is like you've got proof in the put and i'll tell you this you know that was i think that was around the 7th or the 8th or something like that of january and I'm I'm up here now. We I've I've got a rent a rented house nearby the property and I've been kind of going back and forth a couple of days a week when I have meetings and and stuff up here and I'm checking on the property when it since it's not duck season anymore. It's you know end of April now. And uh but literally the prop the, the, there's still water on the property. We've got moist soil habitat and we've got a bunch of impoundments so we're holding some of the water on purpose and then the river's high in some of the area on the property that it's also holding water because of that. But literally since I saw those thousands of ducks out there on the property on the 7th or whatever it was of January until now, there's still ducks on the property. And wow. now Do you still have ducks there now. Yeah. Teal yeah. Or? Teal, mostly teal. Now we, I, when I, right. I went out there and looked about two weeks ago and there was, I don't know, several hundred mallards and a few other little, wow. t- you know, and some shovelers and stuff. And then, and then there, a bunch of teal. Mallards are a long way south for this time of year. Well, I thought so. I mean, you know, but especially, you know, this has been, like I said, it's been a couple of weeks ago with that. Now, um, yesterday, um, one of my, my intern that's working with me, he went out there to check on something and he said that, man, there's like 300 teal, blue wing teal right there by the parking lot. <laughs> And so, like, yeah, <laughs> nice. which is right. I mean, it's, it's time for that, you know, but it, it was just really cool. Cause I mean, man, it's just like so many ducks and, and, and the, for that particular property, again, and we, we talked a little bit about this on that video, but there's, there's about 900 acres of open ground and then the, the rest of it's in woods and on the open ground side, it used to be farmed soybeans mm-hmm. mainly. And, and it's low ground. It's, very susceptible to flooding um when the when the white river gets up and so a lot of times it's just it's poor far it's great farm ground because the soil is really awesome because of all the silt and everything that it's very rich 
but it's poor for farming because it's so susceptible to flooding. And so, right. um, and so anyway, some year, a lot of years they wouldn't get a crop because of flood all the time, you know, that kind of thing. And so now it's, they, the, the property was enrolled in WRE, which is wetland reserve easement. And so when they, when it was enrolled in that, then they did all this work on the property and building impoundments to make it a wetland, you know, you know, seasonal wetland. So it's, it's, right. you know, once it gets through the summer, it's dried out and all that. And so what, what that means is, is that the ducks that would come to the property would only come when there's water there. You know, that's the difference in Arkansas versus like up in North Dakota and stuff, they'll dry feed and stuff like that. We don't get hardly any of that in the South. And so when we have water, it would, there'd be ducks there. And so when it was farmed, when the river get up, then there would be ducks there, but there'd be years that it wouldn't flood or there'd be years where it wouldn't flood till after duck season or it'd only be flooded for like a week. And so therefore the, the duck hunting would be only good when the river gets up. Well, now we can control the water, we can flood it and then put the, you know, and so this entire month of January and all the way up till now, the ducks that were in the area when we flooded it and then when they've been migrating back through, they've all had the benefit of seeing that habitat, using that habitat, feeding and resting and whatever. And now, you know, I'm excited that they're, they've got that exposure and then hopefully when they come back, they're going to do it all over again. That's, that's the hope and because it's levied up and, and we can put water on it when we want to. You know, we can not just, it's not just uh, every once in a while you get to duck hunt it. You can duck hunt it all the time. So do you, are there already water structures on there to to drain it? Yeah, yeah. So we've got, you know, a couple of relift pumps and that's, that's uh, you know, permitted relift pumps that's on the, on the river. And then uh, we have uh, you know, a series of underground piping throughout the whole you know, open ground side of our property. And then there's seven impoundments. So there's, there's, uh, levees all the way around, you know, the different units. And so, uh, you know, throughout scattered about the whole property and then there's water control, um, you know, uh, flashboard risers, you know, and, and so that we can pump water in, hold it, and then, you can hold it at whatever level we want. So if we want just a little shallow flood, we can do that or whatever. So in, in moist soil habitat management, we it's all about releasing the water slowly mm. at the right time. And so we just we can pull out a board that's, you know, six inch boards or whatever, and they right. it, you can drop that out in, in a week or two and then pull another board and then that that encourages the right kinds of habitat to grow. Wow, that's that's fantastic. I know um I did a one of my very first few podcasts was with Matt Farmer, mm-hmm. uh, Aiden's boss. Yeah. And he talked for quite a while about managing for insects. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. It was fascinating. They they've learned so much um in the recent years about insects and and how much more it contributes to a duck's diet than they ever thought that it did. Yeah. Uh and managing for insects and and it was just, it was an eye opener to me because I'd always just thought more soil, more soil, but more and more the, the biologists in this state that really know what they're doing or have bugs on their mind too, which totally opened up, opens up kind of a whole different deal. Yeah. The, the, I was very surprised. Um, 
um, a biologist friend of mine named Jody Pagan. I've I've known him since the '90s, and he's the guy that really introduced me to moist soil habitat back in the in the late '90s. And he 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 told me a lot of that stuff, you know, even back then about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it the the moist soil habitat has so many different things going for it, not just the seeds that are on many of the plants that the, that the ducks eat, but then all of the the bugs and invertebrates that are there and and you know and he just you know i don't i i've forgotten so much that he's told me and you know i'm kind of getting back into a lot of that but one of the statistics that he told me was about you know mosquito larvae is like one of the biggest things on certain breeds of ducks diets like certain like teal and mallards or something Mm -hmm. you know it's just like off the chart you know the amount and and you you know we think of the puddle ducks as eating grain yet you know they they eat a lot of you know animal matter when you if you want to consider a mosquito you know uh, animal matter but that's what they they eat a lot of that right I, i've never um well we did have a lease for one year and that we kind of managed it was very very small but i don't know if i had a place that i would hardly ever put corn in it i, I just feel like that the the guys that i know that know tell me that moist soil over corn every day of the week. I, 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 what I like about flooded corn is that it attracts all the other hunters. So if you get public corn, the guys love it. And you know, we're off on the moist soil. That's how I feel about it. But I don't know. I guess corn um, has its time and its place. I'm, I, sure. I'm big. I'm really, really big on, on moist soil habitat. You know, even when, uh, when I was hunting, you know, at Cypress crossing in, in Stuttgart, uh, at different, you know, different years we had, you know, we had some, you know, a lot of different leased properties, farms, and I would say our best properties had some moist soil habitat on it. Mm-hmm. You know, a, whether it was intentionally moist soil habitat or a fallow field, or it was just a field that held water too long and then they just left it alone for that year, whatever it is, you know, but those fields were the magnets that held our ducks and we learned how to manage our ducks by not getting in there and shooting them out. You know I mean? You, you let them get in there for enough time. It's, you know, you're not going to run them off if you, if you hunt it the right way. Yeah. Especially if you have the ability to flood new pools, Mm -hmm. because what I've noticed is if you get in December and you get a freshly flooded, flooded pool where all the other pools have been worked on for a while, I mean, as long as it's not, you don't just beat it to death, but it's hard to get the ducks to leave. Mm -hmm. You can hunt it and get in and out of there for days on end. If you're not just burning, you know, if you're not in there with groups of 10, but I mean, if you get that freshly flooded stuff, they just don't want to leave it. They just love it. Yeah. New water, hundred percent. Right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, Let's be real. We could probably talk another four more hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think both of us probably are heading towards bedtime, but well, tell everyone where they can find you and uh, we'll get you on out of here. Yeah. So surviving duck season is my YouTube channel. Uh, we, we also have a surviving duck com, the website and lost bridge duck club is the name of my new operation. We don't have any details that we've put out right, right away. So uh, just be looking for that and I'm sure we'll have our website up and, and all that when we get worked out the timing of when we're going to start, you know, doing hunts. 
and there we go. Thanks, Elliot. I appreciate. Are you going to be? Do you yeah. think that you will book hunts this next year, or will this next year just be we'll, building it up? We're going to do some hunts. We we I'll, I'll I'll say this. We are we are talking about doing a blend of membership and okay and uh, and also doing a little bit of guided hunts. The the, the guy that that uh, Mark Peterson, who's the guy that that is the guy I was talking about who we bought the property together. He owns uh, WTA, which is called Worldwide Trophy Adventures. And so they have hunting destinations all over the world. They're the largest in the, in, there is in booking hunts. Uh, they've got a bunch of owned properties in North America. And then they also own the inventory of, I don't even know how many properties all over the world, just about any place you can say, I want to go hunting in New Zealand or I want to go hunting in Africa or South America, Argentina, whatever they, they do that. And so, uh, we're, we're going to be, you know, we obviously have that big machine of, you know, getting people. So I would say that if you want to try to find out what we're doing, you can, uh, worldwide trophy adventures is, is our website, uh, for that. We're also going to have a, a lost bridge duck club website when, when that's up and, and going as well. And so, but always check us out on YouTube and you'll find out information about what we're doing is there, there as well. All right. Well, thank you very much. This is another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. <laughs>